You tuned in to the Kojo Nam, the show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, we'll be speaking with best-selling children's author Gregory Moon on this week's Kojo for Kids. But first, having pets in the White House is a time-honored tradition, but there hasn't been one since President Obama and his Portuguese water dogs, Bo and Sonny, left the White House in January of 2017. But that all changes next month when President-elect Joe Biden is sworn in and moves into the People's House with his German Shepherds champ and Major. Major becoming the first rescue dog to live in the White House. And there's even talk about getting a cat, too. Joining us now is Andrew Hager, historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum. Andrew Hager, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Full confession, I never knew there was a presidential pet museum, so please tell us all about it. <laughs> uh, well, you're, you're not alone. When I, uh, when I first heard about this job opportunity, I didn't know about it either. Um, so the presidential pet museum actually was started by a woman named Claire McLean uh, about 30 years ago. She had been one of Reagan's dog groomers. She had groomed his Bouvier Lucky, and she started uh, keeping some of the dog hair to use in mixed-media artwork that she and her mother were making. And over time, the, the grooming and the art led to a deeper fascination with presidential pets, and she started this museum out of her home, and eventually that became unwieldy when tour buses started showing up. So uh, <laughs> the, mu- the museum's had a variety of locations, and Ms. McLean has retired. A new director, Bill Hellman, has taken over uh, about four years ago. And right now we're we're an online museum, but we're hoping after the pandemic to find a permanent home and, uh, you know, just really get the message out there about the history of America as told through the history of presidential pets. Andrew, President Trump and his family did not bring a pet to the White House when they moved in. How rare is it for a president not to have any pets while in office? It's extremely rare. You have to go back to the 19th century. Um, you, could, you could maybe say Chester Allen Arthur or James K. Polk. Uh, but, but even those guys had horses. Um, now, the difference being, of course, that in those days, a lot of the animals that were at the White House were working animals, like horses or cows that would be on the property so that the president could have milk. Uh, and in, once the 20th century rolls around and we start having a more modern view of of the human-animal relationship, we we start to see more the typical domestic animals, cats and dogs, at least over the last 60 years or so. Um, Joining us now is Lisa Lafontaine, president and CEO of the D.C. Humane Rescue Alliance. Lisa Lafontaine, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kojo. Lisa, as mentioned at the top, um, Biden's dog, Major, will become the first dog adopted from a shelter to live at the White House. How big a deal is that? It's a a huge deal for two reasons. One is that um, people who have adopted an animal will see their family represented in the White House. And people who are thinking about getting a pet may consider rescuing or adopting rather than going to a pet store or a breeder. So I think that and Mrs. Biden uh, have have really started a conversation that, that maybe they had no idea they were going to start. And I think one of the outcomes is going to be a lot of shelter animal lives saved because people do make that choice. Talk about how the Bidens rescued Major. Well, um, the Bidens actually started by fostering Major. And that's something that many of your listeners can probably relate to because we have thousands of foster families in the D.C. region for 
our shelter. And um, so the Delaware Humane Association, who uh, we work with all the time, um, had a a young German Shepherd puppy come in, and they reached out to the Bidens. Uh, They fostered Major as a puppy and fell in love with him and decided to keep him. And uh, President-elect Biden himself went to the shelter to fill out the adoption paperwork. Chris in Woodbridge, Virginia, called but couldn't stay on the line. He says, dogs are fine. Cats are great anxiety animals as long as there's no deer on the White House lawn. We have a deer problem here. They eat the food meant for smaller animals. No, I don't think there are going to be any deer on the White House lawn anytime soon, Chris. At least I haven't heard so from President-elect Biden. Liz tweets, I think Joe Biden should get a hamster. Do you agree? Andrew Hager, has anyone had a hamster before? Uh, I believe the Kennedy children uh, had had a hamster or a gerbil, but uh, it, it's pretty rare. I mean, it's mostly been cats and dogs and uh, the occasional bird uh, or pony uh, in, in the last century. Well, Andrew Biden's dog, Major, will become the first rescued dog to call the White House home. But have some other rescued animals lived at the White House? Yes. Uh, Lyndon Johnson had a dog named Yuki who had been found as a stray at a gas station in Texas and uh, had been given to LBJ by his daughter. Um, And you also, I would also consider Rebecca the raccoon who belonged to Calvin Coolidge as a rescue. She was actually intended to be the Coolidge's Thanksgiving dinner. He, uh, He had been sent a raccoon by a supporter in Mississippi. And when he opened the package and saw this raccoon, he decided, uh, you know, I love animals. I I can't kill this animal. We're going to keep her as a pet. And they even got her a collar and took her to the White House Easter egg roll. So a very uh, successful rescue in that sense. So he chose not to have a raccoon dinner. Did he also have to pardon the raccoon in question? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know that he made it formal, but I, I think the uh, I, I, I think just not eating her was pardon enough for the raccoon. Here now is Diana in Falls Church, Virginia. Diana, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Oh, thank you, Gojo, for taking my call. And um, I, I love animals, and uh, my grandparents were ranchers. So I grew up with animals, all sorts of animals, cows, horses, pigs, goats. And, of course, I always had my my dogs and cats. So I think it's awesome that uh, we're going to have pets in the White House, especially a rescued animal. And hopefully they're going to get a cat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have two two sheets of myself, and I called the other day in the other show. Um, I think it's very important, um, I, I believe, that whoever loves animals, uh, animals makes us much more human because they, they give us unconditional love. And um, I think it's, it's just so awesome. It's, it's a great message. Thank great you. Great message to the country. Thank I, I you very that. much for your call, Diane. I'm glad you mentioned a cat because the Bidens are considering getting a cat. Lisa Lafontaine, last month we did a segment about the increase in pet adoptions during the pandemic. Has the Humane Rescue Alliance seen an increase in adoptions since this all began? We have um, seen our adoptions stay steady. And what we have really seen an explosion of is people uh, fostering animals for us in their homes. When the pandemic was heading our way, our first instinct was to empty our shelters here in D.C. because we were concerned that people who got the virus would get sick, um, might have to give their pet up, and we wanted to have space 
uh, to care for those animals when their people were recovering. But um, what, what ended up happening is that while many people did come to adopt, literally thousands came to foster. We had 1,800 D.C. residents reach out to us wanting to take a shelter animal into their home and raise them there and help us find homes for them. Um, and so we had to quickly pivot and create a whole virtual Zoom-based adoption process to place all of those animals from the homes of community members. And, um, you know, those animals that we thought would come in because of COVID, they never came. Throughout this whole pandemic, we've only seen 17 animals come to us because an owner was sick. And out of those, uh, all but one were reclaimed when their owner got better. So that's been the amazing thing. Well, also amazing is how this foster community has sprung up out of all of this. It's my understanding that there are social media groups so the foster parents can stay connected and help one another. Is that correct? That's absolutely true. There's really there's multiple ways that they're supporting each other. They have created listservs, Facebook groups, uh, Instagram pages. Um, we have senior level foster providers mentoring new people. And I think that that everybody is so starved for community right now. We're so isolated from our normal f circles of friends. And so all of these people have met new friends um, who've become really close friends. It's been a joyful thing in some really dark days for people to meet like-minded folks and um, help find animals and help talk about the Humane Rescue Alliance and really, really share joy. Here now is Alex in Salisbury, Maryland. Alex, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, Kojo. I love your show. Um, it's wonderful to relax listening to uh, during my lunch break. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, forget about pedigree. It's nice that we're going to have a rescue animal in the White House. Rescue is the best breed. And I also feel like it's a sign that humanity is being restored um, mm -hmm. in the White House. <laughs> uh, that's all I really wanted to say. Well, thank you very much for your call. Max tweets that America needs a pet bird in the White House. No more dogs. Andrew Hager, has there been a pet bird in the White House before? There have been pet birds going all the way back to uh, Thomas Jefferson had a mockingbird who was a trained bird and could could do opera. Uh, he, he was really <laughs> fond of mockingbirds and he used to give them as pets. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a long history of that. Uh, there's also famously Andrew Jackson had a, a parrot that learned to swear, presumably from Jackson himself. <laughs> and uh, somebody took the parrot to Jackson's funeral. Parrot had to be removed because it started uh, cursing in the middle of the funeral, which <laughs> is never a good look. So, uh, Who brought me to the so-and-so funeral? What are some of the more <laughs> what are some of the more well-known presidential pets over the past one hundred years? Um, you know, you've got Macaroni the pony that uh, that belonged to Caroline Kennedy. Uh, you have Barney Bush, uh, was extremely famous, early in internet influencer because the Bush administration used him uh, for their holiday videos every year, and, and that was like an early sensation uh, before YouTube. And uh, I, I think you also, yeah, you have to look at Bo and Sonny because they were they were such media darlings during their time in, in the White House. And, um, you know, the Obamas did a, did a good job of kind of using that as a you know, a way to keep the news cycle favorable, you know? So we've had a lot of celebrity pets. Got to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be continuing this conversation, all the president's pets. I'm Kojo Nandi.
Decius Daily. Decius Daily. Decius Daily. It's news, culture, and curiosities. From the district, Tacoma Park, Alexandria, Friendship Heights, Hyattsville, Falls Church, Northeast Washington, D.C., in your inbox every weekday afternoon. DCS Daily. Sign up at dcs.com slash newsletter. dcs.com slash newsletter. Welcome back to this conversation about White House and presidential pets. We're talking with Lisa LaFontaine, president and CEO of the DCA, DC Humane Rescue Alliance, and Andrew Hager, the historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum. Andrew Hager, many of us recall the photos of the Kennedy ponies, and I hear someone in the district was not a fan of them being um, naked on the White House lawn. <laughs> please, tell, please tell us about that. Yes, at one point there there was a resident of D.C. who complained about the Kennedys having a naked horse on their lawn, and I really don't know. I guess this person had not been brought up on a farm or had never seen a male horse before. I don't know what they expected <laughs> President Kennedy to do, like if there were supposed to be pants, um, you know. Uh, but I, the Kennedys solved the problem in a way by... Uh, they had a home in Northern Virginia where they kept most of their horses, and I think they just removed the horses for good to the Northern Virginia home uh, where Mrs. Kennedy could ride them freely with no one worrying about the horse's clothing. Somewhere where they could be naked in peace. Here is, here is <laughs> Glenda in Alexandria. Glenda, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Oh, thank you for taking my call, Kojo. I love listening to your show. Um, my my comment or suggestion, if the, if the president-elect and first lady want to get a cat, um, to get two kittens because then they have a pal to play around with and less destructive on everything else with one cat. Uh, we just recently um, rescued two kittens from the Alexandria Rescue uh, Place, and they are just a delight. But like kittens, they, they're very playful and get into mischief and what have you, but they're a lot of fun. Lisa Fontaine, what do you say? Well, Lisa we could LaFontaine. help with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we would be delighted to help with that because we have right now three adorable little three-week-old kittens who are currently in foster care, and they've been named after the, the Delaware beaches. So it's little Rehoboth, Bethany, and Luz. And uh, oh. we think that, that they would be perfect for the Bidens. And, and actually, uh, Glenda's right. Two cats are better than one. Okay, thank you very much for your call, Glenda. <laughs> Here is Shelly in Ocean City, Maryland. Shelly, it's your turn. Hi, thank you. So not long ago, my husband and I were looking up the animals that had lived in the White House and the names. And one of my favorites was Emily Spinach. She was a <laughs> snake in, the Ted, in Teddy Roosevelt's White House. Mr. Hager might know more about it, but I know that there were a lot of animals that Teddy Roosevelt had. What what led you and your husband to start looking this up? Well, we were just talking about how we were talking about this. <laughs> there are finally going to be animals in the White House again. We, we rescue. We have French bulldogs and English bulldogs, and they've all been rescued. And we're just huge animal lovers. And so we just decided to Google it, and it was one of the best things to look up because the names are amazing. I mean, <laughs> macaroni. But Emily Spinach was by far my favorite. Well, Andrew Hager, tell us about some of the more exotic pets that presidents have had over the years. I hear that John Quincy Adams had a pet grizzly bear. 
Uh, well, actually, Thomas Jefferson had a grizzly bear that was um, brought to the White House at the time of the Lewis and Clark expedition because no one on the East Coast had seen grizzlies before, and Jefferson, being very scientific, wanted to get a look at one. Uh, but obviously, you can't keep a grizzly bear at the White House for very long, and it was eventually moved to a zoo. Uh, John Quincy Adams had silkworms that his wife uh, supposedly used in... Uh, she used their silk for some, I don't know sewing or something but uh, I, I'm glad that your caller brought up uh, Emily Spinach and Teddy Roosevelt because the Roosevelts had around 40 animals uh, including several snakes like Emily Spinach, a badger named Josiah um, and a one-legged rooster um, but your caller also mentioned great names and I got to tell you my favorite name belonged to a dog of John Adams we don't know very much about the dog he was a mixed breed dog but his name was Satan and I can only imagine what the controversy would be like if Joe Biden adopted a dog and named it Satan. You know, like what that, the war on Christmas would be, uh, you know, elevated that year. I, you know, I don't know. So, Shelley, thank you very much for your call. Will of Adelphi emailed us. The Bidens would be wise to get a cat since leading the Democratic Party is very much like herding cats. The Republican, <laughs> the Republican Party operates more like a dog pack with alpha males fighting it out for dominance and then the rest of the pack falling into line. Fascinating comparison, Will, in Adelphi, Maryland. Um, here now is Jeffrey on Maryland's Lower Eastern Shore. Jeffrey, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. I just wanted to say that Albert Schweitzer had once said, and I'm paraphrasing, not a direct quote, but if you can't care for God's small creatures, he probably won't be able to forgive you for the way you treat the big ones. Now, we have, we have, a, we have a cat rescue, and currently we do have about 70 cats that are needing homes. We do not usually foster kittens, however... A pair of kittens did come to us, and they were given to me. I get all the broken animals, the ones with diabetes and busted up faces. And I've named them Ozzie and Harriet. And I agree with your previous caller that said two kitties are better than one because they have someone that they can they can tussle with. And Ozzie and Harriet are exactly that pair. Okay, thank you very much for your call. <laughs> And here now is Joel in Arlington, Virginia. Joel, your turn. Thanks, Gojo. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, I was just reflecting on the president has a lot of opportunities to surround himself or hopefully someday herself with the trappings of military and political power, rows of flags, surface members in uniform. But having a pet brings out our tenderness and the gentle parts mm -hmm. of our nature. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really nice to see those qualities on display from a position of leadership and power again. So you're you're pushing for cats, huh? Uh, my rescue <laughs> dog would disagree. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully your rescue dog is not listening at this point. Uh, Andrew Hager, one of my producers, researched the presidents who did not have pets at the White House and discovered that none of them, nary a one, went on to serve a second term. We have coined this the petless president one-term theory. <laughs> is, is this theory correct? Is this hypothesis correct? Can it be a theory? Well, we, we don't have a lot of data points yet, but if you're talking about uh, three presidents who didn't have pets and they were all single term, uh, you know, you're, you're, starting to, you're starting to see a pattern. So um, <laughs> hopefully we don't get more uh, petless presidents to fill the theory out, but... Uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll, have to keep, we'll have to keep track of that moving forward. Well, I guess this bodes well for President-elect Biden. I hear he and his wife are thinking, as we said earlier, about getting a cat, which I assume, would that increase their chances of winning a second term, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you can bring dog people and cat people together, you know, Biden's been talking about uniting the country and being a president for all. So maybe that's <laughs> a way to do it. Okay, now here is Heidi in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Heidi, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, good morning, everybody. So I just wanted to kind of direct this to Lisa Lisa LaFontaine. I got a little kitty from your rescue group, and her name was Big Bertha, and (laughs) she was abandoned in, uh, you know, I don't know, like an apartment or something, and she is just a dream, and she's just been such a lovely addition to our family. So I love the names of the cats of the kittens that you guys are, are fostering, and I think the Bidens should get all three of them <laughs> since they're from Delaware. I, and... I, think, I think you're right. A, a little, well, thank a, you. A, a little kitty appropriately named Big Bertha. Lisa, it is my understanding <laughs> that you have some puppies with you. Do they have names yet? Uh, I have three puppies that I'm actually fostering right now, and they they have a North mythology theme going on. It's Odin, <laughs> Thor, and Freya. Ooh, and and they're they, <laughs> it's my understanding that they joined you for this broadcast, right? Uh, they're downstairs sleeping. I was worried they might. They're, they're, this is uh, Learn to Play Week, and they're pretty noisy, so I didn't want them to disrupt me. <laughs> in the last 40 seconds, Andrew, how does someone become the historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum? Um, sheer dumb luck. <laughs> you, you know somebody who uh, knows the new director and is looking for uh, and is looking for someone who has some free time. So that's that's how I ended up here. Andrew Hager is the historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum. Andrew Hager, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Lisa Lafontaine is president and CEO of the DC Humane Rescue Alliance. Lisa, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kojo. When we come back, we'll be speaking with best-selling children's author Gregory Moan in this week's Kojo for Kids. Remember, adults can listen, but only kids can call. I'm Kojo Nam. Kojo Nam.